Good morning, Maranatha. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and it is time for Sunday Morning Alive right here on our website. So glad that you've joined us this Christmas season that we are now entered into. And because we're in the Christmas season, uh, we want to point you to that that will bring you hope in this very troubled time. In fact, that's the title of our sermon this morning that I feel led to bring. It is Christmas Hope for Troubled Times. Christmas, or it can be Christmas Hope for Troubled Times. There's always been troubled times, but dear friend, the Bible is very clear that in the last days, perilous times will come because of what men will be men will be lovers of their own self they'll be they'll be fierce they'll be disobedient to parents they'll be truce breakers they'll be lawbreakers it'll it'll be a time of trouble uh, in the world preceding the great tribulation and just before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ amen we're in that time right now. The Bible prophetically calls it the beginning of sorrows. I wish I could tell you that in the immediate future, it's all going to change and every, everything is going to, to, we're going to just have a, a mighty, mighty change in the culture and in the global economy and the global uh, unrest. That is not going to happen just now. It's going to happen soon in, in the sense of the soon coming of Jesus. Jesus in the sense of his returning to rule and reign. But in the immediate future, the Bible said evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So it's going to get worse before it gets better, but it's going to get better because of the grace and mercy of our God. Hallelujah. Listen to what Micah says about him and them, his covenant people, and and their hopelessness and helplessness seemingly, and what he was willing to do to revive them and restore them. Listen, who is a God like unto thee? Micah 7, 18. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity, that passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage, he retaineth not his anger forever because he delights in mercy. One translation said, Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. But delight to show mercy. That's why we have hope. You know, in the book of Lamentations, God's people are going into captivity. Their sin had brought corrective judgments and their enemies were now prevailing over them. They're being taken slaves into Babylon. And and it was the most dark and bleak time. And yet, because of God's mercy, there was hope. <laughs> in Lamentations 3, by the way, Lamentations means to lament, to weep, to be broken. And, and the prophet, the prophet Jeremiah is saying that when I consider the wormwood and the gall, my spirit is humbled or broken, crushed within me. This 
I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. Thy mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And, and though God is faithful in the general sense about his very person and character, listen, it is in a particular faithfulness he's talking about. Faithfulness to show mercy. And because of his mercy, there is hope. Hallelujah. You see, this is the message of Christmas, particularly in 2021 with our world and our culture in the, in the situation that we are in. This perilous time. Amen. There is hope because of the mercy of God. God in his mercy sent his son. God in his grace gave his son. That's what Christmas is all about. Jesus did not come to lay in a manger or to stay in a manger. He came to go to the cross because God is a God of mercy and God is a God of grace. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen to what he does. He pardons our iniquity. He forgives our sin. And then he forgets our sin. His anger, his anger, he doesn't stay angry forever. He doesn't hold it against us. You know what the New Testament says? It says, because of the new covenant, it says, as it is written, I will cast their sins away from them as far as the east is from the west. Hallelujah. And their sins will I remember no more. In other words, he will never, once we repent, once we come to Christ and receive him as our Savior, he will forgive us and he will never associate us with those sins of our past again. Hallelujah. Because he what? He delights in mercy, pardons our iniquity, forgives our sin, forgets our sin, and he delights to show mercy. Listen, friend, ancient Israel's troubles like ours were a result of rebellion and sin. And God's judgments, corrective judgments had come. Their enemies had now prevailed and boasted in their victories over them. They, without God's covering, seemed so helpless and hopeless. This is why it relates to where we are right now, but even more so because of the last days that we are living in. But because of God's grace, all of that is about to change. There can be change. There is hope. They had broken their covenant with him, but he was willing to keep his covenant with them if they would repent and return to the Lord. He would grant them mercy and forgiveness and return to them. Prayers would be answered. Enemies would be vanquished. Blessings are restored. And God is glorified. I like what Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown said about this in a very old but very good commentary on Scripture of these verses of Scripture in Micah 7, 1 through 20. He said, this is the universality, universality of the corruption of the 
chosen remnant, driven from every human confidence, turns to God. Driven from every human confidence, turns to God. That is the turn, (laughs) hallelujah, that brings the change, that releases the grace and the mercy. You know, sometimes our human agencies that we put such trust in, when they begin to shake and break down, and in our search for hope, turn to God. That's why the message of the gospel, particularly this Christmas season, is so vitally important that the church, I'm not talking about a denomination per se, I'm talking about those who are truly born again, those that have been saved, washed in the blood of Jesus, baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Friend of mine, that's the church today. We are the church today. And it's bigger than any denomination or denominational structure. We need organization to get things done and and to to send missionaries and to, to do good things. But organization is not what I'm talking about. You're not saved by an organization. You're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're saved by the mercy of God and the grace that was granted us because what Jesus did on the cross. And when everything else is shaking, amen, God stands ready to respond to those that will return to him and those that will turn to him. Amen. Listen, I believe many are going to turn to God because of man's systems breaking down like they are today. Where are we going to get our hope from if we don't get it from the Lord? Amen. We're not going to get it from the scientists. We're not going to get We've seen they, 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 they're wishy-washy on so many things. Uh, all the, all the science and all the medical knowledge and, and all of the, 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 the universities and professors and you know what the Bible said about the last days? Amen. That there would be distress of nations with perplexity with puzzlement no one can figure out how to fix all of this it's 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 too complex and too perplexing oh but friend when man's systems start breaking down driven from every human confidence they turn to god Wouldn't it be something to see a revival in the church that would produce a revival in the world because the world would see in the church a confidence and a hope that no one and nothing in the world can give? Listen, I'm going to read this again. This this is a good commentary on this chapter. The universality of the corruption of the chosen remnant driven from every human confidence turns to God, triumphs by faith over her enemies, is comforted by God's promises and answers to prayer, and by the confusion of her enemies, and so breaks forth into praises of God's character. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Breaks forth into praises celebrating this God of grace. That's what 
Christmas is all about. That is the message for God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. Not to lay in a manger, not to stay in a manger, but to go to the cross and complete a mission so that God's mercy and grace could be released so we could be forgiven. We could be restored. We could be saved. We could be sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Hallelujah. Listen to what Matthew Henry said about this text. As it was their sin that brought them into bondage, so it was God's pardoning their sin that brought them out of it. You see, the pardon of sin is the foundation for all covenant mercies. The glory of God in forgiving sin is matchless (laughs) and without compare. There's no God like him for this. No magistrate nor common person forgives as God does. So the message of Micah is that while it's true that God punishes sins, even in his own people, he also pardons sin if they repent and return to him. And when he does forgive them, he does it so thoroughly and completely that every blessing of the covenant is restored and every foe is defeated. I don't know if you've got on your shouting shoes. I talk about shouting shoes. It just means that are you ready to say glory to God? Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Listen, both Israel and her enemies will see marvelous things. They will be astonished as God answers prayer in behalf of his people. The gospel is the good news. And although we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God because of God's grace and mercy through the gift of his Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we can be saved and we can be delivered, set free, and we can be restored. Hallelujah. It's the gospel of the grace of God. That's why Jesus came, and that's what he demonstrated, and that's what he accomplished to release to everyone who would believe and everyone who would receive, everyone who would repent and return unto the Lord. In Acts 20, 24, listen to what the apostle says. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear to myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I've received of the Lord to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Testifying to the gospel of the grace of God was the great purpose in the Apostle Paul's life and ministry. He was driven by it. Many were and still are drawn to God by it. Amen. Acts 20 in the paraphrase says it this way, verse 24. But my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. Hallelujah. God's offer to pardon, God's offer to forgive, God's offer to forget, God's offer, amen, of such grace is a message of hope to a world 
that is becoming more helpless and hopeless every single day. Micah's words of comfort are given to a world of trouble. Amen. And the message of Christmas is also a message of comfort to a very troubled world. Hallelujah. Listen, because of the grace of God, prayers begin to be answered. Micah 7.15 says this, According to the days of the coming out of Egypt, will I show unto him marvelous things. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. L- listen, d- you get back right with God and the scripture says, and, and call upon me, and call upon me, and I will show you marvelous things. Can you say amen that, that you know not? Praise the Lord. That's what this is talking about. According to the days of the coming out of Egypt, will I show unto him marvelous things. Well, what was so marvelous coming out of Egypt? Well, (laughs) when they come out of Egypt, they come out with gold and silver. When they came out of Egypt, the dogs were not even able to bark. When they come out of Egypt, God delivered them from Pharaoh's army and destroyed that army. When they came out of Egypt, God took them through the wilderness and supernaturally fed them and gave them water out of the rock and brought them in to the promised land when they would believe and receive. Amen. Amen. One translation says, As in the day when you came out of Egypt, I will show them my wonders. (laughs) And one paraphrase says, Yes, says the Lord, I will do mighty miracles for you like those I did when I rescued you from slavery in Egypt. Oh, Sister Marlena, our congregation, you don't know who I'm talking about out in, in, in wherever you're hearing this, but our particular congregation remembers the history of our ministry. One of the most requested and most sung special songs before I would preach would be, God will do it again. God will do it again. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, friend, look at the hopelessness in Micah chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Before the grace and mercy that gave them hope. It said, therefore, I will wail and howl. I'll go stripped and naked. I'll go make a wailing like a like the dragons, literally translated in the Hebrew, the jackals. And mourning as the owls. For her wound is incurable. Now look back to Micah 7.15. If God's people repent and return, He will hear their prayers and they will see His miracles on no small, smaller scale than when He delivered Israel from Egypt. This is the awesome power of obtaining grace and mercy. Had someone said, return unto God, and he'll return unto you. How will we know when he gets back? Because he will answer prayer. There will be supernatural interventions. There will be wonders because God's people are in in a position and a posture that God says, call on me, and I will show you marvelous things that thou knowest not. That's not just revelation 
of, 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 of truths. That is realization of God's visitation. That's God manifesting himself once again in the midst of his people. Miracles of deliverance in answer to prayer are not isolated one-time events. They are in constant availability to the children of the covenant. If we return to God, he'll return to us. His power is not diminished, dear friend, just because you don't see it in operation in, in the, in the deadness of many circles of the church world. <laughs> his power is not diminished, nor has his purpose to deliver. Nothing in heaven or earth, no one in hell or earth can successfully oppose him because of God's grace. Prayer will be answered because of God's grace. Enemies will be vanquished. Look at Micah seven fifteen through 17. It said, according to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt, will I show unto him marvelous things. The nations shall see and be confounded at all their might. You see, when power is present, when we're not just talking about the God of, of ancient times, the God of antiquity, the God of yesterday, when God is a, is a right now, right here, present day, when Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. When they see it, they'll lick the dust like a serpent. They shall move out of their holes like worms of the earth. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear because of thee. It's time that the church stood up. Let the world be intimidated by us instead of us so intimidated by the world. Micah seven fifteen through 17 in one translation says, As in the days when you came out of Egypt, I will show them my wonders. Nations will see and be ashamed, deprived of all their power. They will lay their hands on their mouth. Their ears will become deaf. They will lick dust like a snake, like creatures that crawl on the ground. They will come trembling out of their dens and will turn in fear to the Lord our God and will be afraid of you. Friend of mine, people are not going to turn to God as long as they are self-sufficient, self-exalting. But when man's systems fail them and they see the hope we have and they see the power of God in manifestation, no wonder Satan fights so hard against the message of the true gospel. If we truly repent, accept Christ as our Savior and we return to God as his covenant children, we will see God's power displayed in answer to prayer and our enemies will be defeated. And because of God's grace, he will restore covenant blessings and his name will be glorified. Hallelujah. Listen, Micah seven eighteen and 20. Who is a God? Once again, who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity, passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delights in mercy. Listen, he will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. <laughs> he will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. 
Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. You see, God is pursuing his covenant. He wants to posture his people so that in answer to our prayers, he can keep the covenant of mercy so he can be glorified both by his people and those who see what he's done in us and through us. I like the paraphrase. It says, you will show us your faithfulness and your unfailing love as you promised with an oath to our ancestors, Abraham and Jacob, long ago. And here's going to be the result of this turning of God to us, this this keeping of his covenant, this blessing restored. God, turn his face to thee. God, bless thee. God, keep thee. God, turn his face to thee. Hallelujah. Lift his countenance upon thee. Amen. And give you peace. Look at Psalm 126, verses 1 through 6. It said, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, See, the result when the world sees this in us. The Lord had done great things for them. The Lord had done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Hallelujah. We're going to have an effective witness. We're going to have an effective evangelistic effort because people are going to see God in and through his people and know our God is the true God. Our God is the living God. Our God is the listening God. Our God is the lifting God. Our God is the loving God. Hallelujah. Who has a God like our God? Amen. One translation says, paraphrase, actually, the Lord has done amazing things for them. And Matthew Henry's commentary once again says, Those who sow in the tears of godly sorrow shall reap in the joy of a sealed pardon and a settled peace. Oh, I want to read that again. Those who sow in the tears of godly sorrow. You see, godly sorrow is necessary for true repentance. But those who in godly sorrow, amen, hallelujah, those who sow in the tears of godly sorrow shall reap in the joy of a sealed pardon and a settled peace. Let's sum it up with First Peter five, ten through eleven. But the God of all grace, I love that opening statement, don't you? But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that ye have suffered for a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen. Settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever 
and ever. Amen. After we have suffered for a while, after we've come to the place that all of man's systems has failed and all of our personal abilities and intelligence and ingenuity has failed and our only hope is God, Amen. He said, then I can really do a work in you. I can do a work in you and for you and through you. I can make you mature, complete, perfect. I can establish you. I can strengthen you. When I'm weak, then am I made strong. And I can settle you. (laughs) Glory to God. Amen. I want to read Matthew Henry again. Those who sow in the tears of godly sorrow shall reap in the joy of a sealed pardon and a settled peace. That's what that's all about. Glory be to God. Amen. Listen, we are blessed. When we return to God and He returns to us, we are blessed and He is glorified. The enemy is defeated and Christ is exalted. Souls are brought into the kingdom. Children are saved. Hell is shaken. Heaven is opened. Bodies are healed. Devils are cast out and saints are shouting for joy. There are songs of victory ringing out (laughs) in the church of the living God. Hopelessness is replaced by joyful praise and ecstatic laughter. Misery is turned to hope. That's the message of Christmas. That's the message of the baby in the manger. That's the message of the man on the cross. That is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ today. And right now, when there is what the sociologists and psychologists are calling anticipatory anxiety that is over the entire world, not just here in America, when there's anxiousness over the future because they can't see a reason for hope, because everything that people have put their hope in, the monetary system, the medical system, the political system, the military systems, the, 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 the uh, acad- academia, all of these things are beginning to break down. The great thinkers of the world can't figure it out. But God has a message of mercy and grace that will bring hope. Because Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. And until he comes to receive his church and his people to himself, his bride, he's already come to seek and to save and to seal with the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Listen, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior today, The Bible says of you what it said of us before we came to Him. That we're without hope and without God in this present world. And to be without God is to be without hope. Oh friend, but today, this very holy moment, this holy Christmas season, You can come to Christ. You can run to Jesus instead of run from Him. Instead of planning the drunken party at the office, 
you can come to Jesus and not find your peace in a pill or in a bottle or in a syringe or in a heated teaspoon. Listen, you can find it in a man that represents the fullness of God and therefore all the mercy and all the grace and demonstrated a love like the world has never known on the cross. You can come to Christ this Christmas. And Christian, you have that message. If you return to God, if you've drifted away, if you've lost the first love, God is waiting. God is ready to restore the years that the canker worm and the caterpillar and the locust have eaten. Sending that former and latter rain, turning the captivity of Zion. Let this be the Christmas that revival breaks forth in our hearts, in our churches, in our lives. And God begins to showcase His mercy and grace through us to a lost and dying world. And many will see it turn to the Lord and be saved.